Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be joined, as always, by my co-host, the inventor of the infomercial and the original shark on Shark Tank, Kevin Harrington. Kevin, thanks for joining us again. Seth, thank you. Great to be here today. Great to have you. Our very special guest today is Mr. Roy Williams. Roy has written multiple New York Times bestselling books. He is one of the foremost thought leaders in marketing today. He has written some of the most successful campaigns of our time. His company, The Wizard of Ads, has over 40 branch locations all over the world, and he is the founder of Wizard Academy. Roy, thank you so much for joining us. It's an honor to have you. Great to be here, Seth. Uh, Looking forward to it. All right. Um, Roy, for those of our, our subscribers who don't know, what, let's, let's start at the, the most current. What is Wizard Academy and why did you start it? Well, Wizard Academy is uh, America's business school for the 5.91 million businesses that have fewer than 100 employees. And, you know, Fortune, five, five, Fortune 500 companies send staff here, but we don't really consult them because, frankly, there's only 500 of them. And there's just too too much bureaucracy to make a difference. So the real goal of the school is to help regular folks uh, accomplish their dreams. Now, there was a second question with that. Uh, What was it? Why did you start it? Oh, this is going to be a weird answer, Seth, but it was feelings of guilt. Uh, About 30 years ago, I, uh, I had as many clients as I could possibly manage. And every day the staff was taking calls from people who were saying, please, 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 just one more. He can, he can certainly squeeze in one more. And we had already done that as many times as we could. And so I was getting very little sleep, you know, and trying to train some people to help me, but that takes longer than you might suspect. And so finally I said, you know what? I said, start telling these people that if they're willing to fly to Austin, Texas on a certain day, that I'll put them all in an auditorium and I'll teach them as much as I can possibly teach them in a day so I can send them home and, um, you know, they'll, they'll be able to make better decisions. They'll have a better understanding of how this really works. And so that grew and grew and grew until finally I'm spending like 20 grand a month. Um, and I'm doing this for free, by the way. I'm, I'm doing it just so that I could sleep at night so that these feeling like these people had some help because frankly, Seth and Kevin, um, in my considered opinion, most advertising really doesn't work very well. And it's not because they're reaching the wrong people. It's because business, business owners are saying the wrong things mm. in their communications, in their ads. And so finally, my wife said, you know, you're renting these hotel ballrooms and you're, you're feeding all, all these people this marvelous lunch. You really need to charge them for this. And I said, no, you know, it's a big deal. It takes a whole day to get here. It takes a whole day to get home, plus a day here and a plane ticket and a hotel room. I said, these people are spending a ton of money. You know, we, uh, we kind of owe it to them just, to, you know, one day a month to give them our best. And she said, well, 
you're not really teaching everything they need to know. And I said, well, I'm teaching all I can in a day. And she says, well, how long would it take you to really give them enough to make a really big difference? And I thought about it a while and I said, well, maybe about three days. She said, okay, we're going to create a three-day class. Here's how much we're going to charge for it. How long would it take you to put all that information together? And I said, about 90 days. And so she said, <laughs> hey, 90 days from today is, and she marked the date on the calendar. She said, in your next Monday memo, uh, just announced that there's going to be a three-day class on that day. And, of course, it sold out, and thus the school was born. And that was uh, 15, 17 years ago now. Wow. Love your wife, by the way. Thank you to her for getting you to do that. And now, um, how did you graduate from that to now, first of all, Wizard Academy is, you have your own physical campus, which is, uh, I've been there. It's incredibly stunning. It's probably the best environment for what a class or a mastermind I can ever conceivably imagine. What prompted you to build something of such a large scale and so amazing in its ambiance, for lack of a better word? Well, again, and this is, this is, you know, it would be embarrassing to most men, perhaps, but I'm very proud of the fact that uh, we converted, we, we built a, a facility many years ago, about 15 miles from here, and we built a big gym for the staff, and we equipped it with some really nice equipment, and then when we ran out of room, we were originally holding these classes in the attic of this building we had. It was actually a big storage room. And there was no way out, by the way. So if the fire marshal had ever come, I would probably still be in jail, okay? <laughs> and so we were, we were meeting in this upstairs uh, storage room. It was kind of big, and it was enough, you know, for maybe 20 people. And uh, my wife one day said, you know, um, I have found some land, and uh, I think I'm going to buy it, and we're going to build our own campus. I said, great, let me see this land you're going to buy. And so she brought me out here, and she said, yeah. I tracked down the owner of this. He lives in South Africa. It wasn't even for sale. So she bought the land, and then she uh, found an architect, and she started explaining uh, the different buildings that she wanted and where they would be and what colors they would be and what they would look like. And he's, he's a brilliant architect, Marley Porter. And uh, he began drawing up all this crazy stuff. And then my new job was to uh, raise the money to build it all. <laughs> and yeah. so, as you know, it's a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, so we don't actually own any of it. But um, it's, been a, it's been a wild ride for the past 17 years. So, Roy, I got uh, to ask, first of all, congratulations uh, to having a, a great wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been many years. Uh, so you keep, keep her, okay? <laughs> that's, well, that's a good we've thing, been married right? for 41 years, Kevin. Can you believe that? That's fantastic. I love it. Um, so, so now... Do you work with entrepreneurs, with corporate people? And, you know, I know the company, The Wizard of Ads, your books. And what is the, do you have a main focus? You mentioned communicating, you know, is it writing ads? Is it writing copy? You know, walk me through some of the curriculum. And then back to this two-pronged question, entrepreneurs, corporate, because you mentioned you were dealing with companies. So, uh, but, I, but wouldn't an entrepreneur need some of the same help? And then what's the focus of the learning? Okay, those are great questions. And I'll begin by saying that uh, Wizard Academy is open to anyone that has the price of tuition. And this includes a lot of authors, musicians, college presidents, professors, scientists. We've had Nobel, Nobel Prize winning uh, you know, chemists and physicists that have attended these classes. 
everything from string theory to artificial intelligence and chemistry. Um, and then, of course, uh, executive teams from places like um, IBM and Procter and Gamble will come mm -hmm. down for classes. And so we, you know, we're perfectly happy to to educate these people. But as I said earlier, the bureaucracy is a real stumbling block for me. I just I've never had the patience, frankly, for it. And so the criteria for Williams Marketing, which is my private, you know, for-profit company, it's where I actually make my living, is we don't deal with anybody unless they will put me in direct, unimpeded contact with the one person who has unconditional authority to say absolutely yes. And they don't have to check with anyone. And if your company doesn't have such a person that is going to deal directly with me, then I simply won't work for you. And so that means that I tend to work with smaller companies. Um, you know, the largest company that we work with on an ongoing basis did about a quarter billion last year. But we started, they were doing less than 100 million when we started. And it took us four years to get them to, you know, more than two and a half times that. And so most of the time at about a hundred million, you start with a company doing two or $3 million a year and you can get them to about a hundred million before they start getting flaky and they start thinking that maybe they've outgrown you and they need to hire somebody from uh, some university that, that uh, has an MBA in marketing or something. Yeah. And that's, that's when everything goes to hell. Right. So like I said, is the, uh, the difference between wizard Academy and uh, Williams Marketing is that Williams Marketing is subject to all of my own petty prejudices and uh, preferences. <laughs> so I don't apologize for that, but it's just the simple reality of um, the entrepreneur who knows what they're doing and they, they don't need an old woman to knit them a pair of balls. You know, somebody, <laughs> that has courage, somebody that has the courage of their convictions, uh, I require that when I'm going to work to help somebody with an ad campaign and with ad strategies and to help them grow their business. So are you working, you know, obviously you help, you know, design the ads, write the ads. And what about placement? Are you, do you help them place these ads also? Yeah, absolutely. Now this is where it really gets weird. Okay. We've, we've now got 54 branch offices and I have partners that do all kinds of online stuff, but my office, we only do things that involve images and words, principally the words. And so we'll do any form of print media, but I don't actually do uh, online placement from here. We do several tens of millions of dollars in uh, television and radio placement, literally in all 50 states and all across Canada and Australia. But um, I don't do any uh, online placement of media. I have other partners that do that, but it's just more than I want to keep up with. Well, I mean, so, the big, big push today is, you know, social media, Facebook and, you know, uh, Instagram and some of these new outlets are, do you have, do you help people in that area also or people? Well, that do? we have, um, I don't know if you know, Ryan Dice, he's the principal of uh, digitalmarketer.com. I know Ryan and, very well. You're, you're, okay. you're down in Austin yourself, right? Right. Now, it's really funny because about four or five years ago, uh, Ryan was headed down to Salt Lake Barbecue, which takes you way out into the southwest corner of Austin, out in the country where our campus is. You know, we have one of those big blue government signs that they have for hospitals and stuff, and it says right. Wizard Academy. And yep. so he looks up and he sees that, and 
Ryan, in 1998, he was at the University of Texas, and he read uh, the Wizard of Ads trilogy, and it's what launched his, uh, his marketing career. Okay. And the last time he was here teaching a class, Ryan teaches here a couple times a year, but we don't ever let him tell his tribe because his tribe is probably a thousand times bigger than mine. Right. And if people knew that they could sit in a room of maybe 20 people with Ryan Dice for an entire day um, for the little amount that we charge, yeah. he would sell it out in like 14 seconds. Right. But we keep it a secret because we want our own little tribe to have that opportunity to come with Ryan and his chief media buyer, Molly, right. and get all their questions answered and get all of their anxieties resolved. And he does that for me because uh, every year he teaches a, a two-day thing to a group, and uh, I usually teach the second day for him. So we swap favors, but the last time he was here, it was really fascinating. He said to the class, he said that he reads the Wizard of Ads trilogy every year without fail since 1998. And that blew my mind. He said, it's the only books that I read once a year without fail, just to remind myself of the things that really matter. So Ryan took what we've been doing here for all these years and he took it online, not realizing that I was just 20 miles away. And so when he was driving by and he saw that sign that said wizard Academy, it really freaked him out. He said, could that possibly be? And then he turned, he drove up the hill he walks into the welcome center and he sees the trilogy on the bookcase and he goes, Oh my God, I had no idea. These guys were just across town. I, I just spoke at their war room uh, in Beverly Hills just recently. So I'm very familiar with the boys and they built a, an amazing business. Uh, those guys, haven't they? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, Ryan is uh, the only one that I'm really close to. Uh, I've met the others. And I think they're great guys, but Ryan has a special knack for communication. And that's really the only thing that, that we care about is the ideas and the words that are used to communicate those ideas, the musicality of those words, the rhythm of the words, yeah. the uh, unexpected nature of combinations of words. You, you have to gain and hold human attention. And most people can't. And it's because most people read crap. Most people read badly. And the simple truth is, as you read, so will you write. And if the only thing you're reading are poorly written blogs and reviews of people just spewing the first thing that comes into their mind, that's how you're going to write. And to write um, really remarkable messages that, that cause people to pay attention and to keep reading it means that you have to fill your mind with a better quality of writing and you have to go looking for that and you have to discipline yourself to ingest those combinations of words every day so that they're down inside you and you can spit them back out when necessary. Great. Love it. Fantastic. Uh, I, I have a question. You mentioned someone growing from a hundred million to 250 million and starting at a couple million and growing and all of that. What, you know, what would you say if I was, if I'm looking for a pivot point in my business, uh, what, what is sort of the, the magical transformation that might be expected or, I mean, tell me about this company that went from 100 to 250 or whatever. What, what, what are you, how are they doing this with your techniques? What's, what's the, um, the down and dirty of what, what they're getting from your programs? Okay, because it's, because it's you guys, 
I'll tell you all the little nitty gritty details because um, you deserve to know. All right. Um, The first thing I'm looking for is somebody that is operationally excellent because I'm not actually an operations consultant. If you're not really, really good at delivering the thing you promise, I don't want anything to do with you. And so this is going to sound horrifically arrogant, but the people who, who want to talk to me about working for them, they actually have to pay 7,500 bucks in advance and then fly to Austin and I'll sit and listen to them for a day. And at the end of the day, and we tell them up front, it's not likely I'm going to take the deal and you're going to be out 7,500 bucks, but you will have gotten one day of really detailed advice that will move you forward to the next level. Now, once in a while, I really like what I'm hearing because number one, the person has courage. Number two, they're operationally competent. They actually know how to deliver the thing they're promising. The only thing that they're bad at is advertising. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you, um, tomorrow, I'll be meeting all day with one of my clients and the reason he will be here is because Michael Gerber uh, wants some help from me. Right. You remember Michael Gerber wrote the E-Myth, okay? Sure. And Michael Gerber is um, astoundingly brilliant when it comes to operational things. In other words, how to actually run the business. And what I've kind of discovered over the years is that anybody that was a really devoted student of Michael Gerber, because he, Michael doesn't know this yet, um, I liked his book when it came out. I've always thought he's a brilliant guy. But we don't have a relationship. The only way that he could get in to spend the day with me is to have one of his close friends, who's a client of mine, arrange it for him. So Mike was going to be here. Uh, the guys that it went from just under $100 million to a quarter billion, uh, that's another Michael Gerber student, a guy named Brian Scudamore. Now, Brian Scudamore uh, started 1-800-GOT-JUNK with $700 that he borrowed from his mom and he bought a, an old rusty Ford pickup. And then 23 years later, he had 184 franchise partners and they had fallen from 102 million down to just 97 million. They had been losing about 2% per year for three years in a row. And when you're a franchise and you're losing 2% a year, the franchise partners get panicked. Now they were excellent excellent at operations because Scudamore is a huge fan and a student of Michael Gerber. Right. And so that's a cheat sheet for me. See, Michael doesn't know this yet, but anytime somebody's a real follower of Michael Gerber, they usually run their businesses really well, but they always suck at marketing. And Michael's coming tomorrow because he kind of knows he sucks at marketing and he's got a new world changing idea that he wants to know how he should launch it. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Now, what happened is Scudamore, when he's fallen 2% a year for three years in a row, he was a real close friend of a major client of mine, a uh, single largest donor to our school. He's given us, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars to help build things. And he said, hey, can you, you know, get Roy to talk to him? And he said, nope. <laughs> I can get him to take your 7,500 bucks and, and you're going to have to fly down there and, and just do the same thing I did. And so Scudamore comes down. We talked. I really, really, really liked him. And I said, hey, dude, listen, this is going to be a piece of cake. You guys are really bad at explaining what you do and getting people to actually care. 
but you're so good at it that you've grown from a $700 pickup truck to, you know, well, you've fallen from 102 down to 97. And I said, but, um, you know, he said, can you, can you get me back to where I was? Can you pick up that 7%? Yeah, it was 90, 102 down to 95. That was it. He lost 7%. Can you get me 7% back in one year? And I said, well, that's just not a thing. We're not going to do that. And he goes, well, how long would it take? Will it take more than a year? And I said, well, no, you know, if, if what I do works, it works way better than 7%. And it'll be 25, 28, 30% growth in year number one. And he said, well, that just sounds ridiculous. I mean, you just sound like you're wearing a paper hat. Are you drunk? I mean, that's just impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, I said, tell you what, I'm going to go one step further than that. This is such a cakewalk that four years from now, we're going to break $200 million. And he said, man, if we break $200 million four years from now, I'm going to take all the franchise partners and their families and everybody from the home office in Vancouver. I'm going to take all of them to Hawaii for a week. All expenses paid. And I said, well, dude, you should buy those tickets right now because they'll be cheaper now than they will be four years from now. I said, make your reservations. Well, <clears throat> we, we beat the 200 million obviously by several tens of millions. And uh, golly, I guess it was last month, five weeks ago, maybe, uh, Brian Scudamore took over 500 people to the Grand Hyatt on Kauai for a week, and it was awesome. And so we had a big celebration out there with all the franchise partners, and uh, he's now ripping along, and um, he has a billion dollars in his sights. We did that just by inspiring 20% of the franchise partners to rise up and do what we were telling them. And if the other 80% had done what the 20% did, if they had just done exactly what we told them, we'd already be doing over a billion. Mm -hmm. And so the new job is to get the 80% to follow the uh, early adopters. And yeah. so in a nutshell, that's, that's how it's done. Right. And uh, the thing that, you know, all it took was just a better explanation of what they're doing. And I said, look, give me one guy who will just blindly do what I tell him. And I said, because I'm not gonna try to convince all these franchise partners. I don't have the energy. Right. And I said, uh, so just give me one guy. So they, they gave me a guy named Paul, who was a franchise partner. And I said, all right, Paul, here's what we're going to do. 90 days later, he was up 28% above the previous wow. year while everybody else was flat or declining. And so about 20% of the franchise partners jumped on board and said, hey, Paul, we want to do what you're doing. And so I never actually had to deal with them. You know, I just, it's what I call the bird dog. You pick one person. Love it. And you make them the poster boy, and then everybody follows their lead, and then he has to answer all their idiotic questions, not me. That's <laughs> yeah. so. pretty good in a franchise model because that you know once they hear it worked for one of their you know compadres, then uh, then they you know everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon. So that's well, yeah. a good good model. You, for you now have a, a better understanding of what I was saying when I said you know. I, my, my personal business is built around my prejudices and my predisposition and my own kind of a, you know, I get away with it only because I have, I only have 24 hours in a day right. and I can always find more than enough people to buy up all my time. I don't actually have to do things the way they ought to be done. I get to be very self-indulgent. I'm embarrassed by that, but I, I keep doing it. Okay. Love, love, love your stories, Roy. It, 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 
you're a great uh, a master at, at, at helping uh, folks and, and it's pretty cool the way you had such transitional, uh, magical transitional kind of things uh, that you've done for, for different companies. Fantastic. Well, like I said, there's uh, the more fun stories are the little ones really because when a, when a company is doing anywhere close to 100 million bucks, they have money to work with. The real challenge and the real joy is when you take people that really don't have enough money. They just really don't have enough capital to work with and they're circling the drain. I mean, they're just, you know, they're going down hard and they're going down fast. And if they're made of the right stuff and if the only thing they need is marketing, you can usually step in and pull them from going under. And then um, those are the most fun stories. Those are the most rewarding because you get to know that not only does somebody get to, to live out their dream, they're going to create jobs and hire people. And uh, the 5.91 million businesses with fewer than 100 employees in the U.S., that number comes from the U.S. Census. Most people don't realize that about half of all the jobs in America are provided by the 5.91 million businesses that have fewer than 100 employees. And guys, that doesn't include the 17 million sole proprietorships that are just, you know, one guy named Bob working for, you know, Bob's company. Right. And so if you don't have any employees, there's 17 million of those. But there's an additional 5.91 million that do have employees. And my goal and the goal of Wizard Academy is for those companies, the real backbone of the United States of America, we want those companies to be able to hire more people, pay those people better wages, better income, bigger bonuses, so that more people can achieve the American dream. Fantastic. That is absolutely incredible. And I love the 800 Got Junk story. We had Cameron Harold from 800 Got Junk on a couple of weeks ago. So with all of the success you've achieved and the legacy that you're leaving, what's your biggest challenge now? Um, well, the biggest challenge was um, transition of leadership. But we miraculously found uh, Daniel Whittington, who's been here, I guess, for three or four years now. And he's vice chancellor of the school and is just doing an unbelievable, unbelievable job. And things have never been better. And so in the past year and a half, my, my personal goal has more or less been achieved. And it's been bittersweet, I have to tell you, because my goal was to totally transfer leadership of the school um, to the next generation. Because historically, anytime the founder of something passes away and they were still an important part of the organization, the, the organization ceases to exist within 10 years. And so knowing that, I said, I have to become, I have to make myself obsolete while I'm still viable. And, you know, the clock was ticking, man, I hit about 55 and I still hadn't found that person that I thought could take it forward. And I'd been looking literally for 10 years when I hit 55. And then finally we, we found Whittington and uh, he took over and the past year or so I have been feeling, huh, 
this place doesn't even know who I am anymore. They don't care about me in the slightest. And that's exactly what I set out to do. But damn, it kind of hurts at the same time. You know? <laughs> it's a little bit of a heartbreaker whenever uh, sometimes I introduce myself to a class. And they're going, yeah, who are you? You know, why, why do we care? And so the school is going to survive. It's going to be fine. And that's it's like when I your kids grow up and they're out of the house. Hey. Yeah, it's, it's like, wow, this is, uh, this is the dream come true. But damn, you know, it makes you feel a little bit like an orphan. So, Roy, the, the, um, uh, before we, we wrap up, I, I think we're down to maybe my last question here. How, how often you, you know, do you do um, programs? Is, you know, are people coming in? Is this weekly, monthly? How often is the school operating? Well, we have uh, about 40 classes per year, and we purposely try to keep one week a month unscheduled just for recovery time. Okay. And um, about half or maybe two-thirds of those classes are open to the public, and the other one-third are private classes. You mentioned uh, the class that you had attended, Seth, that was uh, uh, a private class for Alex and uh, a lot of his friends and associates. And so, you know, Alex has done that now, I guess, like three different times. And so those are called private academy classes. And uh, about one third of the classes each year will be for, um, you know, trade groups and private corporations like, uh, oh, down at Engelbrecht House, which is one of the student mansions, there's a big bronze plaque on the wall and kitchens are incredibly expensive to build, especially big kitchens, um, like for a big dormitory. And we had a bunch of Fortune 500 companies that all sent their, their marketing people down, but they were all in the food business, you know. And all these big, huge company names are up there. And we said, hey, look, if you guys will give us enough money to build this kitchen, we'll teach you guys a class on, on food marketing. And of course, that was epic. That was a lot of fun. But that was a private academy class. And the private classes, um, if we're not careful, they would, they would quickly take over the entirety of the school and there would be no more public classes. So that's the new kind of tightrope that we're walking, is making sure that we keep the revenues coming in to keep the school healthy, but at the same time, making sure that we um, always have classes that whosoever will can, uh, can sign up and attend. Great. Absolutely incredible, incredible journey, incredible success. Um, we will post links, of course, to all of your books and all of in Wizard Academy and Williams Inc. Um, in the show notes. Roy, you've been very generous with your time today. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks so much for listening to this special productivity series of the Direct Response Marketing Podcast. I've interviewed hundreds of the most successful entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and CEOs all over the world, and I want to share with you one of the biggest ways I've discovered to triple your productivity that I've learned from these amazing people. Even better, I'll pay you $500 to test drive it. Just go to takethe500challenge.com. That's www.takethe500challenge.com to learn more. Thanks so much for listening. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.